Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Prozent Rindfleisch aus Deutschland. Cheese, Zwiebel, Ketchup, Senf, Majestätisch gut. Der Hamburger Real Cheese, nur bei McDonalds. In allen teilnehmenden Restaurants nicht zu unseren Frühstückszeiten. World of Secrets, Season 2, investigates allegations surrounding one of the most powerful religious figures of the 21st century, TB Joshua. Search for World of Secrets wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Welcome to the documentary in the studio from the BBC World Service. Always the first thing that appeared to me is her image. That's the multi-award-winning novelist, screenwriter and playwright, Claudia Pinheiro. I have the story in my head and I start to write when I found the way to tell you the story. She's one of the most translated authors in Argentina and many of her books have been adapted for TV. She's been called the Queen of Suspense and Argentina's Queen of the Noir novels. And although her works often revolve around a crime and the dead, her books are so much more than that, capturing the different elements of life in her country. I don't think myself as a criminal or noir uh, writer. I write, and in the middle of the write, a crime appears, a death appears. And so I have to take it and to write about it. Latin American, it's a place where it's not so difficult to find crimes in the street. I'm writing about society. Society is a character in my writing. Claudia often tackles challenging and sometimes uncomfortable topics. Abortion and the right to choose, identity, the burden of caring for the sick, as well as the world of politics and power. I like too much politics, not about parties, but about the way that a country runs, the way that they choose, is the left, is the right the important matters in politics. I'm Andrea Kidd, and I'm meeting Claudia at her apartment in the Argentinian capital, Buenos Aires, high up above the treetops, to find out more about her latest novel. Claudia, hello, lovely to meet you. Hello, nice to meet you. Come in, please. Well, we're here on the 12th floor of your apartment building, looking out over our most beautiful botanical gardens and greenery around us. And the room that you've brought me into is full of books. Behind us is a huge bookshelf, and the table that we're talking on has got hundreds of books on there as well. And on the floor too, there on the floor and (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) As a writer, is it distracting to have so many books written by other people around you? If you're... Wanting to concentrate on writing your book? No. I, I think if you want to write a book, you have to, to read a lot of books. Because maybe you are writing something and you say, oh, I, I, I read something about that in this book. And you go there, take the book, look up the page, 
for me, it's very, very important to have the books with me. They are inspiring. I need them. What are you working on at the moment? I'm writing a new novel, but I'm just beginning. I know there are two sisters, but they, they didn't know because one of them was the first daughter of a man that lived that family and made another family in another place and have another sister. One of them, the older one, is a journalist, and she's in the radio, like you, <laughs> and somebody brought her the news that a woman fall from the window of a flat to the ground. I don't know yet if she's died or not. You haven't decided yet whether the woman who's fallen mm-hmm. is actually dead or alive yet. Mm-hmm. That's a big decision to make. <laughs> yes, because I need, I need she tells her sister some things that if she dies, she couldn't, she can't. But maybe she leave some kind of uh, files or, I don't know, letters or something. I don't know yet. But I think that maybe it's better for me uh, that she didn't die. I, I think in about my character having lock-in syndrome. Locked-in syndrome is a very rare condition where somebody... Mm is conscious but unable to move or speak. Why did you want to tackle this topic? (laughs) Because I think that these two sisters never talk and they are impossible now to talk because of this locking syndrome. Why is one of your main characters a radio journalist rather than a print or TV journalist? Why choose radio? Because I work in a radio. I make recommendations. For example, books, series, films. And I like so much working in the radio. I, I think it is magic. And many people call us and say, well, are you drinking wine <laughs> in the program? Because you are so happy. You, you laugh so much because we are very, very happy making the program. I love Claudia's enthusiasm for the radio and how that's influenced her characters. She now tells me more about the other stepsister. The woman that fell is an escort. Do you know that word in, in English? So an, an escort is usually somebody who is paid to yes. go out with somebody else yes. and perhaps afterwards have sex with them. Yes. And so the main character, the older sister, realised that that sister that she never knows was an escort and she became to wonder why and what happened the day that she fall, because probably somebody made her fall. So that's the mystery element, this is the crime element coming in, is did she fall or was she pushed? I I saw my stories, well, there is a mystery. Maybe somebody pushed her, but for me it's not the important point, because for me the important point in this story is the relationship of the sisters. Where did the idea for this come from? Always the first thing that appeared to me is an image. And the image in that, <laughs> could, could you believe it, that it, it is a cat that has a, a medal with a number? Because if the cat is lost, somebody can call you and say, oh, well, here is your cat. So it's a cat with a collar on it, and on the collar is a little medallion saying, this is the phone number yes. you need to call. Yes. That's the point. 
This imagine appeared because I have two cats. One of them uh, died this year, and I have to look after. And I, I was a lot of time with the cat, and with this cat has a, a medal with with our telephone number. I have this uh, this image to start the the book, and I think that the woman that has the lock in has a cat. And maybe her sister has to look for the cat. I don't know yet. That's It's a mess in this moment. But that was the imagine that uh, appeared first for me. And then there was a, a news in the newspaper about an escort that fell down here in Buenos Aires. And there are a lot of questions not answered about this matter. Now I have almost all the story in my head. At what stage do you think it's got to move from your head onto the page? They move to the page when I find the, the narrator, the point of view and the structure. Have you found it yet? I think so. <laughs> so have you started writing yet? Yes, but this particular novel, it's been a little bit complicated for me because there are many different stories, secondary stories, and I was tend to start in a chronological way. But I think that is not the, the best uh, decision. So now I leave that first pages and I start to write different lines. For example, the line of one character, the line of the past, independent of where they will be in the chapters in the novel. I'm writing more like scenes in the films, I'm choosing the, the more stronger scenes, the more important scenes of each line, and I write in that. Where are you keeping that information? In my computer. You've got your computer in a beautiful case there. Yes, from Guatemala. It looks like it's been hand-stitched with lots mm -hmm. of beautiful flowers. Very popular person. <laughs> Once all the emails have finished pinging into Claudia's inbox, she finds the character and information folder she's working on for this new novel. I notice at the, the top of the document, it's got the title Lean Facha. What does that mean? Facha is fascist, but it's a slang for fascist. Is this yes. one then one of your characters? It's that another you're... character. It's a man that uh, here this escort. So a fascist hired the escort. Yes. That's what you've decided. That's the man... And the owner of the flat where the girl jumped, and he now is investigated for the police, and he has and he has to say, I, I have nothing to do with this. And in this um, file... There's lots of questions you've got here. Yes, because it's a conversation with his son. His son said, Father, it is very, very embarrassing for us, for our family, for my daughters to see you in the, in the news. Well, I'm a man. A man has some kind of necessities, said the man to his son. and It's a conversation. And there is another glance, this Veronica line. She's the, the main character, the woman that works in the radio, one of the sisters. And they have another line. It's a news report. Here it says, Mujer cae el vacío. Este martes a las 4.15 de la mañana, María Gabriela Alejandrini, una joven de 23 años, cayó al vacío desde el quinto piso de un edificio sitio, sito en el barrio de Recoleta. And in English it says, A woman falls into the void. 
This Tuesday at quarter past four in the morning, Maria Gabriela Alejandrini, a young woman from 23, year, uh, uh, 23 years old, falls into the void from the fifth floor in a building in a Recoleta neighborhood. Now, the Barrio de la Recoleta, that is a part of Buenos Aires, which is very famous for its cemetery. Yes, people that live there are rich people. Seeing Claudia thinking about a way to give voice to someone in a coma and tackling the issues around a woman falling out of a window reminds me of her novel Elena Knows, which was shortlisted for the International Booker, one of the world's big literary prizes. In that book, the main character Elena has Parkinson's disease. What draws Claudia then to characters like these who have overcome huge challenges? Well, I like so much to understand the brain and the thinking of people. I think that maybe the origin is in a tradition in Buenos Aires, in Argentina, of psychoanalysis. So I, I'm always thinking about brain and about uh, mental disease and about traumas. And many of my characters have some of them, but here, to go to the psychoanalysis, only you want to talk about yourself and to to understand yourself. So is it very common then that a lot of people will go to a therapist? Yes, here it's very, very common. And in the social uh, security, health security, you can do it for free. As well as all these books on your table here, I notice that you've got lots of beautiful notebooks Are you using notebooks to yes. think about what you're doing? I use it a lot. And this one, for example, look here, coma, vegetative state. You've got beautiful handwriting here, and it's written in black ink. All this thing here is for the locking syndrome. There are different grades in the state, from coma to minimum consciousness. I was talking in the, in the telephone with my psychologist <laughs> he told everything everything that is in this paper he told me and I take it down so not only are you using psychoanalysis as well you're also using your therapist to get <laughs> ideas for yes. your books and I, I, I I'm not going to the psychoanalysis nowadays but I sometimes I call him and said well I would know something about locking syndrome uh, that's matter to you Oh, I love it, he said. <laughs> and, and when I, he, he, he told me a lot of things, and I, before hanging, he told me, if you want, call me again. <laughs> yes. I didn't remember that I put here how it takes to fall from a window. For example, oh. four and nine meters, it takes one uh, second. second. But 19 meters... Two seconds, because you accelerate yourself. Oh, that's the kind of things that I research from my, for my novels. But that's a detail that, as a writer, you may not need to put that in your book, but no, for I, you, I, you, you just usually, want to know it. I usually don't put it in my book, because nobody, no reader needs to know how long it takes, but I have to know. Why do you have to know? Because uh, there is a word, verosimil, It must be possible if you are writing a, a real novel, no? So maybe I write, well, while she was falling, another character made some things. And if it is in one second, it couldn't be. So I, I need to know. 
This is the story of the charismatic Nigerian preacher, T.B. Joshua. Some called him a miracle worker. He healed the sick, the lame walked. A great man of God. Others say they knew a very different man. He's not this holy man. What happened to me and to others shouldn't happen to any human being. This is World of Secrets from the BBC World Service. Season 2, The Disciples. Search for World of Secrets wherever you get your BBC podcasts. You're listening to the documentary In the Studio from the BBC World Service with the Argentinian novelist Claudia Pinheiro. I leave Claudia to work on her as yet untitled new book and meet her again the following morning. Did she get any work done? No, and yes, because the solution of a problem that I had in my mind about uh, the structure, I came walking um, half an hour and I was thinking about the novel. So I didn't write, but I was working on my novel all the same. What did you decide? What What solution did you come up with? I have a problem with the narrator, and I'm trying to work about um, non-confidence narrator. Do you call that way? Non-confidence is a narrator that tells the reader some things that the reader could say, "Mm, I think this narrator is lying to me. So you can't trust that the narrator of the story is actually telling you the truth at all? So what did you decide? Is that they're going to tell something that's not a truth? Well, maybe how I uh, give the readers uh, the information because I think that uh, I hope when they read my book they forgot this interview <laughs> because I'm telling a lot of things that they they must not know but uh, I think that the reader could read something and then realize that oh it was not the way I thought you're known as a, a literary crime and mystery writer what appeals to you about these genres? Well, I, uh, in fact, I don't think myself as a, a criminal or noir uh, writer. I write, and in the middle of the write, a crime appear, a death appear, and so I have to take it and to write about it. But it is not that I sit for writing and I say, "Well, I will do a noir novel or a crime novel." I, I am writing a novel. There are characters, and the characters go to the street that I go, and they find the crime there. Because Latin America, it's a place where it's not so difficult to find crimes in the street. In my writing, there are a lot of society. I think about society. I'm writing about society. Society, it's a very important character in the novel, and many of the things that happens in the novel could not happen in another society. They are the product of our society. So that I think that many crime novels uh, are close to social novels. Maybe I, I could feel more comfortable saying that I wrote social novels, but I don't care if they, somebody say I, you write crime novels. It's interesting you say that because you've been described as Argentina's queen of the noir novels and queen of suspense, and yet... As you say, so much of your work is about the society, about the human condition. So do you enjoy these titles? 
Yes, but I, th I think, for example, they, I think that they are not opposite. For example, you can write about society and you can write with suspense because the suspense is I tell you something but not all the things because I want you to stay with me reading and wanting to know what will happen. How did you get into writing? Where was your starting point? I always wrote since I, I was a very, very child girl. My family was a family where there was no artists, writers, and so it was very difficult for me to think, oh, maybe I could be a, a writer. So when I had to to go to the university, it was at the times of the dictatorship here in Argentina, and many universities were closed, so I had to choose between the ones that were allowed, and I chose economy. And then, I, in that time, I started to go to many, we call it, talleres literarios, some kind of um, creative writing. And we start to study in that time with many very, very well-known writers that teach in their homes. This kind of worship made at home uh, was a kind of resistance in the dictatorship uh, moment because we have to be inside talking about some themes that we couldn't speak out loud. What sort of themes couldn't you talk about but perhaps you could write about secretly? Well, at that time, many, many, because if, if I give you the list of books that the dictatorships uh, ban, it is crazy. Books for children that, you know, for example, there is a, a book about a, a, a tree where you, instead of apples or orange, uh, grows Notebooks. So the tree actually grows notebooks, not apples yes. or oranges. And children go there and take their notebook and start to write things. And the dictatorship said it is too fancy. It has so many uh, dreams. It's not proper to children, and they ban that book. So if I, uh, if you ask me what teams you couldn't speak, are many teams. <laughs> Your novels often cover contentious and sometimes uncomfortable subjects. You've written about abortion and domestic violence for your characters. Why do you want to include topics like these in your novels? I don't sit for writing saying, well, I will write about abortion. It's not the theme what make me write. It's the, the characters and the story. And uh, although there are some unconsciousness in the process of writing and the worries that I have as a person are the same worries that uh, takes me when I am writing. But my worries are in a deep place. They appear to make the story interesting, deep. Do you want to challenge your readers, though? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I try to write a story where you... Oh, story about a girl and then you say wow what I'm reading what is she showing me I used to say that I, I, I like to move the carpet to see the the dash basically to lift up the side of the rug or a carpet and underneath you'll see all the dirt all the dust that has been forgotten and left behind that's the point that I want to do oh come here what a nice uh, flat but well, come here and so <laughs> what is beneath the carpet there's a rug beneath us. I won't pick it up and have a look underneath <laughs> it. As well as a novelist, you're also a screenwriter and filmmaker. Your latest book, Cathedrals, is about to go on Prime Video. And Elena Knows drops on Netflix very soon. 
Yes. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> yes, tomorrow. Why do you think your books lend themselves so well to TV series? I don't know, but really many of them are series or films. I think maybe because I am a scriptwriter, so I saw my novels, uh, I saw Imash, I put it in words, and then another person would read the novels, compose the image, and say, well, here maybe it could be a, a film or a series or something like that. Claudia had said earlier that she was working on her novel as she walked across the city last night. So I was delighted when she offered to take me on one of her daily walks. We head down in the lift to the street below. Which way are we going? Uh, to the park. There is a police station, many cars of the police, many police in the street talking with people, and many times it gives you good material for the crime novel. I don't know if you know, but here in Argentina, we are not so comfortable passing beside a policeman station. Really? Yes, because of the times of the dictatorship. They can stop you and say, what are you doing here? And so we, we try to pass very, very polite <laughs> and quiet, not to be bothered. So those memories still remain? Yes. yes. Oh, this Don't is the site of uh, Buenos Aires. It's just uh, past us. A dog walker. Yes. Don't you have that? No. Oh. She wins for having the most dogs attached to her, that woman. <laughs> that was ten. <laughs> One of my first scenes in the new novel happened in this corner. I don't put the name of the street in the novel, but when I wrote it, I was thinking about this corner. The main character takes a taxi to go to the radio station, and the taxi stops there because there are a lot of noises caused by sirens. Uh, sirens. Sirens. Ambulance sirens, police sirens. It's very early in the morning. There is not so many people in the street. And she saw the, the cars, the sirens, and think, well, something has happened. This is the park. Ah. I had another maestro or teacher very well known that is called Mauricio Cartoon. He's a director of drama. And he asked us to be very, very um, aware of, attentive to other kind of sensations, not only the view, because we used to see, we used to see what is happening. But at the same time, well, we, the writers, are not so aware of the sounds, for example, and uh, you can use it in your writing, and the smell, and other kind of sensitive matter that is not always what you see. How long do you think it will be before you finish the novel? I hope for September 2024. Is that your first draft or is that absolutely finished? My first draft. So from when you started thinking about this, you're giving yourself about a year? Yes. I am always correcting while I'm writing. What sort of things, when you're walking, are you noticing, as well as the feelings you talked about? Are there particular things that you look out for in the people, their expressions or their conversations? I usually look at the faces. And if you look at the faces, you can imagine things. 
For example, this girl here. The one who's almost walked into us because she's <laughs> on her phone, that one. Yes, and she was with a little bit smile, so maybe she's answering her boyfriend or something like that, I suppose. Ah, and here you are back to yes. the botanical gardens. I recognise where we are now. This is my home. Claudia, it's been so lovely meeting you and thank you for sharing your creative process with us. I wish you every success with your latest novel. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk with you, to walk with you, to laugh with you. So thank you. You've been listening to the documentary In the Studio from the BBC World Service with the writer Claudia Pinheiro. The presenter and producer is Andrea Kidd. In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.